A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The DNA Airwaves. I am your humble, gracious, I can't say that because someone else says that, Doriki Palmer. And I'm here with my partner in crime, Anthony Lewis. Anthony, say what's up to everybody. What up, everybody? I gotta say, man, you, uh, I thought I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts the way you started that. <laughs> I thought I was listening to EYL, I can't even lie, the way, <laughs> what's going on, world? <laughs> Trying to bring energy, it's all about energy, energy. It is all about energy, man, I like it, I like it. Uh, what do we got, what do we got with us today? You, you stopped halfway, don't stop now. No, I let you, I want you to go, I intro and you keep going, I pass the baton to my partner in crime. Okay, cool. And I'm going to call you out later because I think you were just a little nervous. You didn't want to mess up the name. He caught me. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. He's good. He's good. He's good. We got our boy, Dakari, here. I'm not sure how you said it earlier, but... Dakari. Dakari. Something like that. Dakari. Yeah, I apologize. Strawberry. I apologize. I'm a drink. I'm all, all kinds of things. Bacardi. Yeah. Oh, sauce, yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard it all, so I won't uh-huh. bother. I'll leave it alone. Yeah, man. Good to have you with us here, man. Likewise. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. We appreciate you. Our pleasure. Uh, Yeah, man. What have you been up to? It's been a little, it's been a a short, long minute. It has. It's been an interesting last few years, but mainly um, I've been focused on the songwriting journey, which has been pretty amazing. Um, And it kind of, uh, it kind of started just before the pandemic. Um, I kind of, and of course I've, I've worked with you, Anthony as well in, in your band, but like, you know, I kind of yeah. got weary of the, uh, the corporate scene and right. decided to really focus on developing some intellectual property and ownership and that kind of thing. And the yeah. pandemic came at a great time because everything, everybody was at home and started working yeah. virtually with zoom. And that's yeah. kind of how I collaborated with some people across the border. So, Yeah. Mm. I haven't heard those words too many times. The pandemic came at a great time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, optimistic. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. Um, before we even jump ahead to that, you mentioned the corporate world. And I know we've worked with people who have probably been a product of that whole circuit and the scene. But mm-hmm. I also know we have a lot of music, or sorry, non musicians who listen who might not know what that is. So can you right. just explain it? You're right. I should clarify. Yeah. I guess uh, what I meant is the corporate, uh, I guess the Americans call it the general business bands or the GB bands, but in, in Toronto, I guess okay. wedding bands or corporate bands, you know, that type of thing. And yeah. so not corporate as in like the corporate infrastructure, just more musicians working in corporate functions and weddings, that type Got of thing. You, right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because yeah. that could be confusing as a corporate songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Clarity. 
That is beautiful. Okay, so pandemic hit, and were you immediately feeling this, or did this take some time to realize that an opportunity was created um, amidst mm, the good question. error and confusion? Ooh, and well, I'm, I'm going to be honest and say I was scared just from a health standpoint, and oh, so right. I was comfortable at that point. Like, because I'd kind of resigned uh, doing a lot of that work anyway, I was quite mm-hmm. comfortable being at home and um just kind of focusing on being creative so um i didn't really i had a vision essentially and it was kind of seems a little crazy or seemed crazy to many which was this okay everyone's shut down everyone's focused on kind of just trying to feel some human connection again and uh you know i've always wanted to i had aspirations to be a songwriter getting placements with some major artists so on and so forth and i said okay well Mm -hmm. why can't i reach out to so shock and and babyface and Rodney Jerkins and so on and so forth yeah. and work yeah. with them. Why not? Crazy right. vision, but that's what I that's what I kind of decided I wanted to do. And yeah, yeah, it it's actually the way that I was able to connect with some major names. So um, mm-hmm. I was just reaching out to everybody on Instagram I could find uh, production wise that I admired that I you know was discovering at the time, and mm-hmm. that sort of started the process of me working with a few noteworthy people um the most uh i guess significant initially especially and some of the most long-term relationship i the long-term relationship that i've maintained is with nate waka and he did a blame it for jamie fox back in the day and he's worked with kid cuddy and trey songs and bieber and timbaland and all these people so he and i he's like a brother to me now sorry wow that's 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 huge yeah yeah, so he's 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 sort of opened up a, an interesting sort of arena for me, and I've met a few people through him, and that includes Marley Waters, who did uh, Two On for Tanashi back in the day, and he's worked with Cranium and Trey Songs as well, and he's doing a lot of TV placement stuff, so a lot of the sync sync uh, you know the sync stuff with music um, yep. for television and for film. So, and that's actually something the three of us have kind of been uh, able to lock down in recent months. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. So can man. we go back a, a little bit further? Sure. And um, before you were doing that in the pandemic, what was kind of your introduction into music as like in regards to songwriting? Because I don't think you just woke oh. up one day and was like, I should write songs. Awesome. You probably were doing something else before you were writing songs. Am I right? Yeah. Um, it goes, it goes, it can go. How far back do we go? <laughs> like, hey, let's go. Got nothing but time, buddy. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, when I was, I was one of those kids and I don't know if you guys are, have similar feelings about your relationship with music, but I was one of those kids who was clearly, I had a, an affinity with music. Um, yep. my dad and I kind of bonded over those, that, that relationship with music. So mm-hmm. I learned, um, I kind of didn't realize it at the time, but as a young kid who loved to sing and loved making music, um, I was just writing songs and effectively producing my own songs. I put that in quotations because, you know, you're a yeah, kid. Yeah, you're I five years old. Yeah, yeah. And I was like yeah. overdubbing stuff. You, you guys remember the cassette the cassette decks oh, nice. where you would of like – You would record – so I'd record like maybe a bass line and then I would uh, use the other cassette deck and then play it and then do like the drum parts and then do oh, that right. again and then just kind Innovative. of – I didn't realize I was yeah, overdubbing yeah, yeah. at the time. But <laughs> so yeah. – I was kind of just, I wanted to build songs. I wasn't, I didn't know that it was songwriting. I didn't know that that was anything that was a profession. I just wanted to do it. And um, so that was kind of my first foray. I was probably about five. And then um, I kind of just wrote, you know, growing up. And I luckily in in junior high, I I was fortunate enough to have a teacher who 
was a music teacher who was really big on nurturing and he saw my interest and I was, I came to him cause I saw him working with a DAW, didn't know it was called that. And right. it was okay. logic. <laughs> and mm. so mm-hmm. I came to him and he's like, he, normally he has us playing guitar, you know, just learning like no scrubs. And I was, yeah. I, I mastered that stuff, you know, <laughs> fairly easy. I don't say master, but I, I was, I was pretty quick compared to some other kids. So he put right. me in a room just working on a DAW and, um, Interesting. That gave me the tools I needed to do the, the full production and songwriting stuff that now allows me to do what I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how it goes back to, I guess, five or so. I don't know. <laughs> but how important is that moment where the teacher sees that spark in you and can really, because I find that some teachers usually ex- try to extinguish some of that stuff if it's yeah. not in line with the curriculum. So, I mean, it's beautiful that you saw you had a teacher around you that saw it and not only saw it, but also wanted to help you develop that. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, you're right. It's funny. You just touched on something I didn't really put into context, but you're right. Um, and I, it wasn't even just that. I was... I was, I, my mom put me in vocal lessons about, at about eight years of age. I took piano lessons right. at around nice. five. So there was that foundation. I didn't take yeah. it seriously. So I wasn't um, yeah. a virtuoso on the piano or anything like that. But, um, but singing uh, was something I was very passionate about. My vocal coach uh, got me into performance. So I was performing at eight. Mm. And one of uh-huh. the things, one of the, the vehicles that really fostered my, my skills was working with the Lawrence Heights Middle School Choir. I don't know if you guys know Lawrence Heights mm-hmm. Middle School. It's right yeah, in the jungle, like Lawrence Lawrence uh, West, you know, Lawrence Avenue West. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so it's like right, right by like Allen. And, and okay. Like, we're, so we were a little west of the city, so we weren't, we didn't have that high level of uh, exposure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Teacher yeah. play. Our teachers weren't, our teachers didn't have us on things like no scrubs. So. Well, I mean, no, I, I'm from Scarborough, different. but my connection yeah, with Lawrence Heights was. Um, yeah, yeah. They were a performance choir that had quite a bit of uh, reputation, a good reputation. So I was performing with them under the tutelage of Dr. Shermaine Marine, who was a serious music Mm. teacher, and Franklin Mm. Robb, who was my personal uh, vocal coach, and he was my guardian. He did a bunch of things. Um, And so I I was groomed really well under that the tutelage of the two of them, not realizing how much access I was given to this wealth of information. You know, of course, yeah. yeah so amazing, going yeah. back to what you guys were saying about having teachers, educators, uh, foster those passions and and develop those passions, and I and I only, it was only in my adulthood that I realized what luck I had in in being exposed to that and having those teachers groom me in that way. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah wow. no kidding, because it could have led you down a completely different road. Just so true. Them not even giving you the attention or exposing you to a dot at such a young age, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. It's true. Do you keep in contact with any of them? Well, uh, yeah, Franklin and Rob actually. He and I, we, I just actually, I called him earlier today. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. <And> yes. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Reen passed away. Uh, oh, I want to say maybe fifteen years ago or something like that. And that was that was a big loss. Um, for sure. Wow. Yeah, she was tough. She was tough, but she was she was amazing. And then and then my uh, the the teacher that got me into the DAW, uh, Mr. Mori. I I don't know. I haven't I I haven't really made an effort to reach out, but I would love to talk to him. He was a a big part of that development for me. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's hard to keep in touch with everybody along the, the journey, but Mr. Mori, yeah. if you're listening, reach <laughs> 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 out. Um, <laughs> No, that's actually a really, it's a really good story just as far as what Dariki mentioned, just having people who saw even just potential in you and were willing to take the extra steps to help bring that out. Yeah. Um, 
I know a lot of people didn't have that story yeah, and I'm one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really? My, my music journey was really different. I actually was denied the um, chance to play bass yeah. when I was in high school in grade nine. And I actually quit music after that. Uh, Whoa. Sob story and yeah. say it's because of that, but it, it was. I mean, I had other interests that I picked up and became stronger as a result of, you know, not being able to do the thing that I was sort of um, compelled to do. Um, yeah. What brought so, you I mean, back to music? God. For real. I know heart, it sounds I corny, know. but I believe it's it one was. of those things, you know, it's just yeah. there's a draw, there's a pull. Okay. Um, so whether it happened at that point or basically 10 years later, it still, it still happened. Um, but yeah, that's just when I hear stories like yours, I'm like, man, God bless those teachers who just, absolutely, are, you know, are willing to work with kids and nurture. And I hope that even these conversations that we have with each other and people listening just spark something in whoever it is, whether yeah. it's long past that age of you know wanting to attack that new thing or just a parent who has a child who's like right there and just that encouragement will go a long way so you're right i I recognize i i had uh some uh, quite a bit of privilege you know growing up um I, i had i was not i was never told by my family that I should find something, find a real job. You know, I never, I never, right. <laughs> I those luckily didn't hurt me. Uh, <laughs> right? no, I never heard those words from my family, but just in general. <laughs> but you know, and I, I know yeah. other people who've, who've had that experience where their parents don't um, support their, their, their uh, curiosity or their interests the yeah. way that um, I, I had. So, and again, to have adults around me who were nurturing me and, and, yeah. and and being tough on me because it wasn't like I said Dr. Maureen was tough and I don't mean like right. she scared me I was yeah, totally. I was scared of her um, <laughs> a lot of the kids we were just we were frightened of her Dr. Maureen did not play around so you did not mess with Dr. Yeah. <laughs> how deep did it go was it just like was it like a demeanor thing say. Um, <laughs> well she she wasn't afraid to um, to handle <laughs> <laughs> she was like if a kid got in her face she yeah, yeah, she yeah. wouldn't she wouldn't be afraid to to let them know you better get out of my face okay. um yeah, and okay. so she was she was old school she was like um i think about sister mary clarence she was <laughs> sister mary clarence on speed she didn't want to oh, mess with man. her so okay. um and she and, and she was doing all the things we needed though those kids are you know jungle is a, is a tough area those kids right. need that kind of tough love, and she was a perfect yeah. guidance for those kids and for myself. You know, and I'm and I right. wasn't from that area. I was from Scarborough, but I, you know, I was a pretty quiet, believe it or not, quiet kid in those days. Um, yeah. So, but she, she, she definitely would figuratively slap us up. She wasn't. She didn't play around. Just high standards, right? High standards. Yeah. She indeed. She, she didn't go easy on the kids. Like we sounded like a real show choir because she Incredible. pulled out of us all the things she knew in terms of executing those, that kind of blend, mm. that kind of big sound. Um, yeah. And so she instilled in us a standard that probably wasn't common for kids our age. That's huge. Yeah. Wow. Very it sounds huge. so different than, uh, I guess, what we're faced with in our society now. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of hand-holding and coddling and lying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you're right. That you shouldn't tell kids that they suck. I'm not saying that, but just, like, the encouragement – like I find that there's a tenacity that's missing just because the standards, like anything goes almost drives yeah. me nuts. I don't want to get started because I'm going to sound like I'm the news. No, I, I love that you're saying that. I think, but, 
it, it's, it's kind of weird for us to be. I, I'm assuming we're probably in the same age group, and I won't say what that is. Um, (laughs) but I think what's funny is, is you get to a point where you start to look at the trajectory from childhood to now, and you start to realize, yeah, the standards have been, you know, changing over time. And, you know, when your parents, people say, well, your parents used to say that. And like, my thing, my response is always, well, they were right. You know, my favorite, my favorite decade for the music, for music was in the 1970s. And, Mm. um, if you, if you rewind to the sixties, you had really rich orchestral pieces throughout yep. pop songs, right? It was like big yeah. string sections and all these yeah. interesting, like look at something like, like Burt Bacharach, what he did. There was a lot yeah. of you know key signature changes or groove changes that would happen or just really yeah. odd measures that he would, you know, and it all worked. Yeah. And then some of that sophistication kind of went away in the 70s. It was still great, but you lost some of that, you know, richness in terms of composition. Mm-hmm. And as you go to yeah. the 80s, you have the same thing. Still great stuff. But you yeah. lost some of that richness. And so the standards have been, you know, changing over time. And now we're at a point where singers don't necessarily sing melodies the way they used to. It's more like you're rapping, yeah. talking. There's a little bit of melody yeah. in it, right? Yeah. So there is an evolution. And I think as you get older, you become more conscious of that. And you sound like an old man, like like we sound, uh, when we say, yeah, I remember the time when – you know, like, music yeah. sounded like, this way. Exactly. <laughs> like know? crooning has stopped. Men don't croon. R&B singers, crooning. they used to beg for their women, and now it's more like they don't care. You know? yeah. Before, we used to beg, you it's know, true. singing was was pleading, begging for forgiveness, begging to just be with them, and now they don't care. They, they, they really so just true. don't care about the women anymore. It's, wow. it's, you're absolutely right. The evolution, even in the songwriting and the yeah, subject yeah. matter, yeah. has kind of just changed. And even in hip-hop mm. as well, the dealers are now the users. And you know what I mean? It's oh, just wow. been a yep. whole complete like shift towards mm. a different type of like content i like that and, the dealers uh, to the users <laughs> it's a, I, that in my opinion but what do i know i think um <laughs> i think that some people are trying to keep that and there's some artists that try and preserve some of that old school quote unquote way of like singing and that style that r&b style i find that you, the UK is really, really good at preserving the old school R&B sound. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're mm-hmm. really traditional. And even as they've kind of changed, I still find there's a lot of artists there that hold true to the, like, old school R&B method. I don't know what your experience has been like, but you're absolutely right. I just, when you said that hip-hop or people sing differently, they're more rapping now. I'm yeah, thinking of all yeah. the more popular singers. And, yeah, it's more of, like, a melodic rap yeah it is an actual like singing of a song do you kind of have to change your style or you just you're so dope you can write anything or is it <laughs> are you gearing it towards this more croony style of like songwriting well, that's, a, that's a fair question that's a great question actually you know i i guess i'm i'm, I'm one of those people who have always said and it sounds hokey but i i feel like i can have my cake and eat it too so okay. i've had to learn because um, I think we have a tendency, and I'm going to say it quite honestly, we have a tendency yep. to be music snobs when we're more, a little bit more uh, rooted or anchored in some of the older traditions of music. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. I yep. think there's actually a value in being a bit of a music snob sometimes. But yeah, sure. the, the disadvantage to that sometimes is I close myself off to a lot of the new stuff. So in right. having to mm. write, like I've been assigned K-pop records. I've been assigned country records. Oh, wow. I've been assigned, right, right, right. you know, rap, which I'm not a rapper by any stretch, but I've written rap lyrics, which is interesting. And yeah, I've yeah. had to listen to music with an understanding of like, 
how these melodies work today, how to make them interesting for me, because I want to put out stuff I like too. And I've found artists that I actually like in the modern context, and I've kind of modeled some of what I do after what they're doing in combination with what I want to do. So case in point, Uh. I'll I'll, I'll often – uh, I probably shouldn't say reveal my my uh, <laughs> my sources, but but uh-huh. I would I would turn to things like Mahalia's first record, you know, because I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, Scissor's first record. Um, mm. there's, these are the kind of there's there's things there's elements of what they've both done that make right. me go, or or someone like um, Lucky Day, for instance, him and his work with D Mile, the kind of stuff they're doing melodically. We can make pop mm. records that are interesting melodically. But still, you know, on on vogue in terms of what's happening on radio today. So that's kind of my attitude, and I like to sneak yeah. my stuff in. I'm a big fan of the Jam and Lewis vocal production, and I love four part harmonies and the sussy chords yeah. that you can get with those four parts. And yeah. um, so I've been sneaking a lot of that into the stuff I do, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of like, very interesting. Yeah. So I, I, a bit of both, right? A bit of kind of yeah. like, and I like to also kind of have a unique flow in terms of what I'm doing. So it's a bit of a uh, I'm pulling from different sources. I'm using kind of what I do and and updating it because I, I had to learn how to write more mo- in a more modern fashion pretty quickly. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you touched on the idea of because as a beginning songwriter, you only write for yourself and you write with your own perspective. Sure. You never really have to write a K-pop song or a country song. And now someone like me who does dabble in songwriting I can't even get my head around writing for a country artist or writing a K-pop <laughs> song because I wouldn't even know where to begin. Did you have to kind of like learn how to write a country song or write a K-pop song? And what was that process like? That's a great question. Um, I love these questions. So um, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing I, I kind of alluded to earlier. I had to sit down with a lot of material and find mm-hmm. things I genuinely liked. So, right. in in with the, in the in the conversation with the K-pop stuff, mm-hmm. I was I was just listening through. I went through a bunch of lists of like top you know hundred of twenty twenty one or whatever, and just listening yeah. to a bunch of stuff. And I discovered songs I still like mess with today. So, right. case in point, I can think of a, a band called uh, G Friend. They have a song called Crossroads. It's nothing like what's on pop radio it's like a 60s like almost james bondy lots of changes okay. very interesting okay. record then the stuff like a, a song called ting 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 by um what's her name ting 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 ting, ting, ting. what's the name of the band it's not uh, a reggae song that no like, it's not a reggae song no 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 i can't remember the name of the band but ting 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 is this great record it's like a housey joint then you have okay. stuff by Red Velvet. So anyway, there's this, there's you know, yeah. you pull on things that you like, and then you start writing within, and there's like a, a flow. It's American inspired, but it's actually right. a little bit more musical. So there's bridges, there's you know okay. transitions, there's you know there's a little bit more of the musical elements of the of yesteryear factored into yeah, the sort yeah. of new trappy based pop sound. Um, right. With the country stuff, that was that was interesting. I was work, working writing for an artist named Jeremy Allen Jones. Who's okay. he's not even your your, te- your typical country artist. He's kind of he's got a bunch of tattoos. He's got a Rough Riders tattoo on his calf. He wears fitted caps. He's, Rough Riders, he's, yeah, right. He's he's a big R and B fan. He's a big hip hop fan, and he's a country okay. artist. So when I when I started writing his stuff, I was listening to kind of the modern country stuff that I was liking. So Dan and right. Shay, um, mm-hmm. uh, some of the stuff by Sam Hunt, you know, okay. um, and then I was kind of fusing it with 
my style and what I projected his style to be. So there's that, you know, and of course, to your question, my advice to someone who's writing outside of a genre they're used to writing is to start digging into a bunch of stuff, find what you like, and then model what you want to do after that sound you like, because then it's easy to write stuff you enjoy. It's easy to write stuff that you want to listen to. It's harder to kind of force yourself to write something you don't actually like. Um, So that would be my my tip in that in that regard. No, that makes perfect sense. Mm hmm. There's a part of me, though, I was about to say, my advice was going to be, I mean, because you talked about kind of modeling other people's styles and things like that. And I think that I went back to a previous school of thought hmm. because I was going to say, hey, even if I tried to imitate your style, it's still going to fall flat or rise. It's going to be different than you because it's coming from me, right? So it's going to have my influences mixed in with yours. Right. But then I thought about, a certain singy songy sort of rap that's happening now. And I realized that people have mastered imitating because (laughs) there's a certain style that I can't even tell the difference who's who anymore. So I kind of was just here thinking while you're talking, that was just a little piece. What do you guys think about that though? My, my crazy thing is that. No, I think, I think um, you bring up an interesting point, but what happens is it's such a copycat society. And I think that especially at the top, when they hear Anthony's doing something cool, um, record label B, C, and D are like, we want an Anthony sounding record. We need a, we need a, you know, we need that kind of record if you want, especially if you want to get airplay. Don't get me started on that. Right. I think Gosh, that that's yeah. also, they want to package you or put you in a particular box because they think it's more marketable. So, yeah. But I, I am curious as to what your thoughts are as well, because I'm just kind of freestyling right now. I actually love that you guys are bringing up these points because they, they all play into my daily, you know, philosophical, uh, you know, journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, so one thing is, yeah, you have to be able to write stuff that is familiar. But I'm a madman. So I, <laughs> we all I, like, to, I like to jump off the cliff. So I, yeah, I kind of okay. like the idea of when I think about let's, uh, if I take us back to, say, like when No Scrubs came out or yeah. when Try Again by Aaliyah came out. Those mm-hmm. records just popped, right? Like when you turn yeah. on the radio and you heard Try Again for the first time and you heard that bass line coming, you're like, what is this? I've yeah. never heard a record yeah. like this before. You know, That's when true. you hear that 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 synthy guitar line on No Scrubs, you're like, what is this, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. so I try to write with that feeling or try to capture that feeling in mind, right? So yeah, I want to mm-hmm. make the record sound comfortable and familiar enough to the palette today, but also... Right come up with a hook or come up with something that's unique enough that it kind of pops. It just stands out a little bit more. You know what I mean? So case in yeah. point, I just wrote a, um, I, w- I was writing with a par- writing partner of mine and we just did this record that we have Doja Cat in mind for. And mm. so it came out of nowhere. I don't know. We're not, we're both singers and we both ended up writing this rap song. It's <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> okay. so, and you know, Right, and he's the one that picked up on it. Um, his name is Roderick, and he picked up on the the Doja Cat vibe, and so we kind of went with it. And okay. you know, it was kind of like we wanted to come up with a record that. And Doja Cat's a great example of somebody who kind of pops. She's doing the thing that people are doing, but there's some other like element in in what she's doing that's unique enough that makes you go, For "Oh, sure. she's she's different than the other six girls that sound like this." You know what right. I mean? Um, so I'm kind of always chasing that. I, I kind of don't want to just blend in. I want to, I want that hit. I want that, that smash that's going to make you go, Ooh, I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm, but I'm crazy. So 
We all look crazy. <laughs> so I reject that. No, I like that. Um, do you ever write with like, because you had touched on how you wrote a song with an artist in mind. Do you ever write with like a particular placement in mind as terms of just like mm. in syncing? Do you ever have like, oh, this would be good for syncing or I'm going to write a song that I know will get placed in X, Y, Z or something like that? Or do you just write and wherever it goes, it goes? Oh, good question. It's a bit of both. Um, I've yeah. kind of oddly been not 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 intentionally but i've kind of just been writing without a placement in mind but i I think back when you said that i thought about like three records i did specifically with drake in mind and then they were given to someone who wasn't drake (laughs) and then then, um i think wait but did they turn out okay like were you happy with the end result still regardless you know it's funny i still haven't heard the uh, end results of those songs yet okay okay but um (laughs) And then I think about a, a specific uh, pitch that was coming in for Rihanna. So I wrote with her in mind. So sometimes mm-hmm. you get assignments. Like, we want you to write a record like this with this person in mind for this artist. Interesting. Sometimes it's just, here's a beat. And so it, it really depends on the conversation that's happening pr- uh, prior to receiving those or, or during the, rece- the re- receiving those, those beats. Yeah, so wow. sometimes it's specific. We need this type of sound, we need this type of vibe for this artist where we need a record that's targeting this sound. Other times yeah. it's just go with whatever you go with. And I like those. Yeah. I, like, I like both. I like the challenge of kind of figuring out what to do for an artist for and sure. with, right. with specific guidelines and also just having the freedom to come up with something creative. Yeah. So, yeah. Super dope. Yeah. I should shout yeah. out a few I got people I've been working questions. with. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Please do. No, no. I'm saying I just love your responses just triggered. That's why I was writing down another question. Because oh. uh, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I dabble in songwriting. No worries. Minimal. Go for it, man. I'm, I but um, I have anyone that I get to talk to, I just ask so many questions. So forgive me, Anthony. Take a, take a drink. Uh, <laughs> 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 I've got a giant joke. <laughs> but, um, how often do you write songs that you end up, I don't, forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology, you write the song, you give it to somebody, and nothing ends up happening with that song. Does that happen a lot? All the time. And how discouraging is that for you when you think you wrote something amazing and it doesn't go anywhere? How heartbreaking can that be for a songwriter? Or, or do you or, not care? Or does it get recycled and come back up later on? Right. Ooh. Good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great question. Take so drink. I'm taking no drink. <laughs> so the, first, the answer to the first question is it happens more often than not. The, the reality mm-hmm. is you're going to get more okay. rejections than you are going to get placements. At least initially. Um, uh, is it devastating? I mean, on a level, yeah. I guess I've, I've kind of compartmentalized as, as the artist from the songwriter, right? Like Fair. a lot Ooh. of, I've had to learn to not take this stuff personally. It is, yeah, it, it's a really numbers important. game anyway. Like mm-hmm. I literally have about, I have hundreds of songs on my computer right now. And it didn't happen overnight, obviously. And right. so, Sometimes I listen to them with a particular – okay, another thing that happens is I'll – in the case of, say, Marley Waters, he, he would give me like a, a pack of beats. And okay. I would write, depending on how inspired I am by the beats, maybe a half of them, maybe a quarter of them, you know, whatever. Right, okay. And so I'll have my favorites and I'll send them out. And then sometimes we'll both agree on the favorites. And other times I'm like, oh, he's going to love this record. And he doesn't. Yeah. And the one that I think yeah, is whack, so. he loves. And so, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so I've learned to kind of like 
not get too caught up in the feeling of like, oh, this is the record. Sometimes you're really mm. passionate about it and you can't help it. For sure, yeah, yeah. But I kind of, it's a numbers game and it's about time because I just had my first million streamer uh, and it was the song was released in 2020. It just hit a million maybe a few months ago. And okay. that song was written in 2015. Oh, nice. you know what I mean? Oh, so God. sometimes okay. it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it takes years Process. for these records. Yeah. To slow burns, slow burns, slow burns. Right. So, and <clears throat> the right context, the right hands, these songs being in it, 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 those are the variables that affect how quickly they get placed. And so I've kind of learned in a chill. I've, I've had to be very patient mm. about this process and, and it's, you know, I don't not think about it in terms of like, Oh, you know, it's gotta happen now. It's, it's, yeah. it'll happen when it's, when it's going to happen. That's uh, incredible Big. advice. Definitely mm -hmm. something that I have to learn just because I wrote mm -hmm. it. You know, it's not a precious diamond baby. I don't need to care that much about it. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even want to show that to this person. You know, I'm going to hold on to that. But <laughs> I think uh, I think getting of getting rid of that emotional aspect of this songwriting is really helpful. But as a, as a songwriter. Sorry, Anthony, but you can no, just okay. cut in at any time. I see the trend here. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, as a songwriter, do you ever get um, or write or get an itch to record your own music? Like, <laughs> or you write a song where you're like, "No one's gonna do this one that's right. Why. I need to sing this one." <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's weird. Okay, so I remember. Years ago, I was really uh, determined to be the artist. I'm still, I still have aspirations yep. of that. Um, For but sure. Okay. I'm taking the songwriter approach because I think it makes a lot more sense. Agree. So okay. there was a time when I was sitting down at Universal Music Canada, and I was Humble I was break. talking to an executive there, and he yeah. said to me, "He's like, these are great records, but Rihanna can sell them." You can't, you know, you can't. In other words, he's like, "Yeah, oh, you're nobody. Yeah, yeah, so right, why don't you right. give these records to Rihanna to sell?" And at the time, I was like, "Is this man crazy? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I'm the artist. What do you, this is this is my vibe. This is my inspiration. Yeah, right. This is my story." I thought he was. I, 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 I thought he was crazy. Yeah, and yeah. Um, not that I regret not listening to him, but I, but I, I understand what he meant in the conversation about the business, right? Right. Right. And so, do I have the itch? Like, there's. I'm holding on to. There's some stuff that no one's heard that I know is timeless enough that when it does when it does come time for me to put that stuff out, it will, it will, it will resonate with the right marketing and the right, you know, all the right yep. tools in place. But yeah. yeah, um, I still have aspirations of being the artist. It is kind of funny because I haven't had the itch to write for myself in a minute. Um, yeah. which has kind of freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's one of those funny things. Like I'm always shelling out these ideas and it's always a conversation about writing for other people. Right. But the the urge to write for myself is is something I haven't felt for a little while. But it, it's still there. It's just wow. The focus is a little different right now. Focus, oh, yeah. I, I've never envisioned a moment where a songwriter wouldn't want to write songs for themselves. I always just had this selfish idea that like you know you're always doing one for you, ten for them, <laughs> one for me, <laughs> ten for them. You know. But that's interesting. You you uh, you think that passion can come back or? Oh yeah, like I I'm not yeah. even scared. I'm not, it doesn't scare me because the lesson of t okay more hokiness. The lesson I I, 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 the lesson that really resonated with me for 2022 was letting go. Uh, I, I've never been good at that. I'm a control freak by nature. 
and I like things working the way I, I set out for them to work. And I've realized I think a lot of people like that way. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are like that and probably won't admit yeah. to it. But um, absolutely, Fair. I, a lot of change has happened in 2022 that in, initially felt like the end of the world. But mm. because of those changes, uh, amazing opportunities have been opened up to me, and I've, I've, you know, broken down a lot of doors because of the, the things I had to let go of. Like I'm thinking right. about, mm. I just got well, we we're on the phone. I was just, uh, I got a missed call from Torrance Scott. He's A and R for Usher, mm. and wow. he and I become really good friends. Yeah. And he's worked with everybody from Raphael Sadiq <laughs> to oh, yeah. Kiki Wyatt to too short to kelly Rowland to like he's polo the don like he's worked with all these people and he's one of the Call most back. get off yeah. this podcast and go <laughs> <laughs> no he knows he knows he knows i'm with you guys actually I'm so, so shout out to torrance um <laughs> yeah, to yeah and i mean you know og the three another one uh another one i i'm your eyebrows went up you know og the three <laughs> yeah yeah I so do, yeah you know we're talking we've been writing music together um the last few weeks wow. and we've been wow. working together for the last few months and he's become yes. a great friend of mine as well and he's one of the most Incredible. these two are all these people i'm working with down to earth super talented um and as you know he's worked with ti and lil yachty yep. and yeah. And you know, Yo Gotti, all you know, these people, and so yeah. um, all of Atlanta's royalty. <laughs> letting go, Big, yeah. sorry, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, even like Atlanta royalty, even even D Rock, like D Rock from Track Boys. I've been working with him too, mm-hmm. and and so wow. it's been a long like going back to what you said. Like I've had to learn to let go of things because it opens up different opportunities. This the 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 songwriting journey has worked out in ways that I didn't anticipate it working out. I had a different mm. vision of this, right? And right. so when things change and I was forced to figure things out differently, it really yep. opened up doors for me when I let things go. So going back to that's being the beautiful. artist, I'm going to write yeah. stuff that's going to – I'm going to always have ink in this pen. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. And okay. so like – yeah. <laughs> and these new experiences are going to formulate – you know, not fortify my ability to write uh, better for not only other people but for myself as well. That's true. So, wow. Yeah. They'll come back. I'm, and it's no, going to be hot. great – Great answer, yeah. Is, and yeah. I think it's another valuable lesson that people can take away from this podcast that I've, and I'm sure Anthony has had to learn. Like, oh, yeah, we're I'm not in here. control. We yeah. try to plan the pretty picnic, but we can't predict the weather. No. And it's Ooh, really Jackson. important to. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's really important. Atlanta <laughs> reference. <laughs> I brought in Atlanta. How to do it. But um, yeah, I think Hilarious. once I realized I'm not in control and just. The only thing I'm in control is is me as a human being mm. and how I, I navigate this thing. But this journey, I'm not in control. I plan so much that don't go the way I expected it to. But yeah. the second I've let go of that control, blessings have come in different forms in ways I never perceived them to come. So yeah. I think I hope that's a, another lesson that people take away from this for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, and this yeah. business is sorry. We're going to say Anthony. No, I was just agreeing. Go ahead. Yeah, this business is 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 very much that. You got it. It's unpredictable. It is mm-hmm. an, an, yep. there's a lot of uncertainty involved in in, in just sure. navigating it. So you have to kind of be prepared to pivot. The pandemic is a metaphor, or surviving. I guess what we were dealing with in the pandemic is a metaphor for yeah. life. Right? Is yeah. we have expectations of what's to come and what's going to be laid out in front of us, and we just True. have no idea what's around the corner. So what do you exactly. do when things don't go the way you plan? You pivot. You adjust. Yeah. You, yep. you know, and uh, you tap into different resources, you, you make new connections. And so yeah. but keep moving forward, keep moving like, forward. It's not the end. Just keep moving forward. I wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, man. 
So I guess just uh, kind of revisiting on what you're just saying about letting go. I know everything's in life is going to be like an evolution. So you're, it's a journey and you're, as you said, you're moving forward. But I guess if you could kind of, in a nutshell, just give us an overview from the moment you decided, I'm I'm sure like it, it took time, but you decided to let go. How quickly did things start to change for you? Or was it still a long process after that? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, it, I think it depends on where I was at when I made the realization. So okay. sometimes when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it's never going to change, right? Yeah. yeah. So at that point, it probably feels like an eternity. But to your, to, to your question, yeah. looking back at especially 2022, it was such an, a momentous year for me. But like 2022, yeah. there were, I look back at like something that, maybe happened six months ago that was jarring and scary and it took mm-hmm. no time to come out of that right. relatively speaking you know okay. in terms yeah, of yeah, like yeah. six months down the road like oh that wasn't that Big was picture. nothing but at the time yeah. when it was weeks in it was mm-hmm. whoo you know <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. and That's also some of these things you don't realize are happening um in a more gradual sense so i mentioned torrance earlier torrance and sure. i have been like real cool for months but he didn't hear my music until maybe a few months so we met in the summer torrance and i and i've seen him on a regular basis and we were kicking it all the time but he never heard my music until maybe maybe two or three months ago and from Mm. there we i was just doing a lot of top lining with his stuff and writing and so um you know that was a relationship that was that was we were cultivating before music was even involved you know so sometimes you look back you're like okay this thing was happening even though it didn't feel like it was leading to something so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. it just depends on what it is and what's what what you're letting go of and what the exchange is in terms of letting that thing go, True. you know. Mm. But it can do, it, it, sometimes it's a it's a cakewalk. Some, I shouldn't use that term, but sometimes it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a very problematic term. But some, sometimes <laughs> some, sometimes it's it's quick. Other times it's it's a slow burn. It just depends yep. on what it is. What it is. Agreed. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. I, I kind of have the same thoughts. I just wanted you to share that because I know a lot of the things that um, we say on here and the things that we're thinking, there's also people who are going through or experiencing or wondering. So I think right. that right there definitely helps somebody. I Absolutely. hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Because when you're in that, like you said, when you're in that dark time, it feels like an eternity. And then when you look back, it was a small blip in the grand scheme of life. And I yeah. think that, yeah, that's... Uh, incredibly said yep. you, i had a qu- another songwriting question oh what a surprise dude. yeah i know right no, uh, <laughs> is there anybody <laughs> you like stuff. that's on your like i really want to write songs for this person yeah i know drake came Dariki. up you wrote some you wrote some songs for drake no that's hilarious <laughs> um yes of course i think you know i i think oh. yeah like a so wish list. There's a wish list, but it's kind of it's a funny list because there's a separate, there's different lists, right? Okay. There's okay. who would I like to collaborate with list, right? And it's not even about like okay, so for me, Jam and Lewis, um, okay. Babyface, right, Bert right. Bacharach is a weird one because he's getting up there. Um, so those are the people that come to mind when I think about who I'd want to write with. Some of the people that I want to write with are dead, so that's you know. I know it's terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, or right yeah. four, they're not here anymore, so it is right, complicated. Right. But yeah, but those... can you name one? Like, who's someone that's passed that you'd love to write for? Right four? Ooh, I mean Michael. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. Yeah, of, course, yeah. of, course, um, of course. Of course. I'm a huge Aretha Franklin fan, 
Like, mm. um, I've been I've been digging into a lot of Aretha's music lately, especially the '70s stuff, which got kind of virtually ignored. And yeah. she was a yep. she was an amazing writer in her own right. People don't know that about her. A lot of people don't know yeah. that about mm. her. She was an amazing comp- composer and player. So I would have loved to write for Aretha. Um, yeah, this, this this this. I mean, the list is so long. I was a big Nick Ashford fan. He passed away about a decade ago. You know, mm, right. so yeah, there's yeah. this. Uh, oh, James M. Tomei, we just lost him. You know, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, we lost. Uh, um, oh my gosh! Don't say any more names. I know. I gotta stop. Let me. Let me. My pass. So yeah, there's there's that there's that list, and in terms of who I'd run write for, like in terms of today's conversation, I would love to write for Doja Cat. You know, um, I would love to write for Beyonce. That's a big one. Um, I would love to work with Lucky Day. Like mm. I'm a big fan of what he represents and what he does, especially for R and B. It's him yeah. and D Mile. Like that partnership is 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 kind of magical because D Mile is a genius at taking like retro ideas and making mm. them modern, making them work in a modern right. context. Like when you mm. hear that first record, the whole the painted thing, and he has all this bossa nova stuff happening, and he has yeah. these like electro funk things happening, and it doesn't sound dated or pastiche. It sounds modern and fresh. He's and of course what he went on to do with Silk Sonic is like what like so I would love to work with him and and Lucky Day and so there's tons of people on that list I don't even know if I could do it proper I think you've you've hit (laughs) hit some of the big ones that's dope yeah that's dope and I know I was clowning Dariki a little bit about the songwriting questions but honestly they're so helpful and I know a lot of just like your work ethic and just the process um, transfers to other parts of music especially but just even other parts of being a creator and entrepreneur so uh, it's great stuff man um yeah. i guess we should uh ask you a couple more questions here okay one what do you have coming up like what are you excited about for the <laughs> yeah. near future good, good, good. um i can't i can't talk about too much because you know how it goes but yeah, i just yep. finished working on gary beals's uh new project okay which I'm excited about. Um, So I think he's going to be putting out um, something in the spring, I believe. Um, I can't wait to. I can't can't talk about what any of it is. But I can. But I'm I'm super excited about what we've what we've done together because it was a a really fun collaboration Um, and something that took again years to manifest. Because I approached Gary. I think I approached Gary years ago about working with him, and it just never kind of happen and then mm-hmm. i don't even know what triggered it but we started working i think writing last year and yeah we we have some some stuff that i'm excited to to see come come out um mm-hmm. so that's that's coming up uh, i mentioned that i have some sync stuff that um that I'm, i've done with nate and marley so looking forward to seeing that stuff come out because um, nice. Marley's been killing it in the sync game. Like he's on Power or Ghosts or all these other shows that are kind of big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's been really fashioning some of those opportunities, um, and I've been lucky to be looped into some of those. So that's that's I'm looking forward to some of that. Um, yeah, just a lot of like me again. Like I mentioned some of the collaborators, Torrance and, and OG the Three and D Rock and Nate and Marley and. Yeah. I'm writing some Spanglish stuff with my my friend and collaborator Joe Blandino. Okay, Poppy. Okay. Yeah, he, <laughs> that's been fun too because you know writing in Spanglish yeah. or writing in Spanish is a different muscle, and 
Um, I can only imagine. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so we've had some stuff. We're right. We've written some stuff for an artist from Italy called uh, "She's Goes by Harmony," and she's got like this reggaeton sort of like Spanglish thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just you know that stuff. I'm trying to think what else I have coming up. Um, I guess I can't really talk about too much of this stuff. It's not final, lot, but man. you got a, you just, a lot going on. So it's yeah, exciting. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's so much more that we can kind of talk about. I could spend another hour with you just on <laughs> the business side, but yeah, we won't, yeah. I promise. But uh, the <laughs> business side of songwriting, which I think is another avenue that people like myself would just be curious as to how you went about beginning that process on the non-writing side. Because you write a music, sure. you write a song, then what? You know what I mean? And I think I'd Ooh. love to pick your brain another time you come back. Maybe you yeah, can share some do of the cool two. things that are happening. Sure. We can do a part two and really talk about the non-writing side of songwriting because I'm right. really, really interested on that. That's a so, great that's a great title right there too. I like that. <laughs> not, you're right. <laughs> Put that in your notes, man. You got these ideas. ideas. Okay. Yeah. Cooking them up but right we here really, really appreciate you taking like the time, it. man. <laughs> really no problem, guys. It. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Let people know where to find uh, you, man. Shout out your yeah, socials. Oh, right. Shout out your socials out. So yeah, I'm on uh I'm on IG at Dakari Music. That's D-A-K-A-R-A-I-M-U-S-I-C. Um, I have a Facebook page under the same name, but I, I need to update that thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Does anyone check Facebook? It's been a minute, but yeah, I guess the the, the I'm most active on IG, and okay. by most active, I do mean most. I'm not very active, but most active. Fair enough. On IG. Fair enough. Busy <laughs> but you can hit me up. I get lots of uh, comments and stuff on things. I get in trouble, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Stay out of trouble, man. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. (laughs) It's been great to have you, man. Thanks for uh, the chat and all the information, just the fun. So we'll have you back. We're gonna. I'm gonna bug you about that part too. No problem. It's uh, a pleasure, man. Hopefully, by then you can spill the beans on some of these other projects that are. I'm looking forward to that part because you know I gotta be. I I have to be careful. Like, don't say this. Don't say that. I'm looking at my list of don't say this. Don't say that. Beautiful, beautiful. Big, You'll man. definitely be back for sure. We're definitely going to bug you to be back at least. Oh, I'll, yeah, sure. I'll gladly come back. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. We appreciate everybody. Until next time. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.